C'est un honneur pour nous d'accueillir ce sommet pour un nouveau pacte financier mondial. Alors, je veux d'abord souligner que ce sommet est le vôtre, c'est-à-dire celui de toutes celles et tous ceux qui sont en première ligne. We come to Paris today with a heavy heart, but with hope. il est un peu hors norme parce qu'en fait il est, il est horizontal. On a un sommet où tous les pays sont à égalité et en plus il y a la société civile. Et la société civile permet plus de transparence. civiles quien eh, finalmente recibe todas las decisiones políticas que tomen los gobiernos en general. Por tanto, es importante incluir a la ciudadanía que se han escuchado. considering a new finance pact, it must be a pact that supports an equitable fossil fuel phase-out in conjunction with an equitable renewable energy phase-in. À mon avis, le sommet était une réussite parce qu'il a permis deux choses. Il a permis d'abord de cristalliser un certain consensus. Et quand on voit d'où on partait en termes de fossés et de divergences nord-sud, c'est très important. Tout le monde n'est pas entièrement sur la même ligne, mais au moins, il y a une vision commune qui a été exprimée. Et puis, il a permis aussi d'avoir un certain nombre de délivrables, qui sont des décisions concrètes ou des quasi-décisions, parce qu'elles seront vraiment mises en œuvre par les prochains rendez-vous internationaux. Par exemple, euh, au G20 de New Delhi ou encore à Marrakech au moment des réunions de printemps du FMI et de la Banque mondiale, où là, on verra ces institutions évoluer. Nous, au Forum de Paris sur la paix, en novembre, on aura un autre moment de suivi du sommet sur certains points qui sont un peu orphelins, qui ne seront pas traités par le G20, qui ne seront pas traités par la COP28 qui suivra. Et on pourra transformer, disons, ce moment-là en décisions concrètes et continuer la conversation en quelque sorte de la méthode de Paris ou de la doctrine de Paris qui a été initiée pendant ce sommet. Welcome back and good evening ladies and gentlemen. The 79th episode of Please Call Me Crazy. This is David Penn filling in as your guest host once again for the traveling Royce White. My pleasure to be here. My opportunity to build community with you. I've started out again with this uh, currency conference. I did it last time. I did it on the Professor Penn podcast. 
because this is the game. This is the scam. This is the con. This is the moment of truth. They're setting us up to knock us down. And doesn't it look wonderful? I wanted to do it again because um, this one woman was uh, talking about uh, a new currency regime that was based on the end of fossil fuels and a new equitable sharing of uh, renewable energy. You know, these people, I guess they know we don't read. I guess they know we're getting high. I guess they know we don't give a bleep about even ourselves. We don't care, and they're just jamming it right up our bleep bleep. Boy, it you know, I get so angry. I want to let loose a tirade of swearing when I see these people standing up in front of the world with all this uplifting music, and here's what they're talking about. This is what they're talking about. They're talking about deindustrializing the developed world, right? No more cars for people like me and people like you. Of course, our elites will be going around in chauffeured limousines and uh, cars that, that become planes. You know, they take off. They're going to have everything they want. But me, my kids, you, your kids, your parents, your cousins, your friends, hey, you're going to walk or take public transportation. Because there's no way to decarbonize and replace the fleet of vehicles that you and I are using right now. It's impossible. There's not enough rare earths and lithium to get the job done. And they know it. Everybody knows it, except for the we the people. We the people are being told over and over again that the earth's going to boil and we're all going to die. Oh, the end is near. You know, you'd think these people were Bible thumpers. The end is near. If we don't repent of our polluting ways, we're all dead. That's their scam. That is the hook. That's the play. That's the con. And then it's this north-south thing. You see how it's put together? North means colonizer. South means colonized. Developed and screwed. And they want to make it all right. They want to have an equitable sharing, a new agreement. I'm playing it again because we got to focus on this with a laser beam focus. And I know I'm repeating myself because people are not taking this seriously. We don't recognize that there's digital currencies being introduced by central, government, central banks and governments all over the world. Right now as we sit here today, if you do your own homework and go to federalregister.gov, that's federalregister.gov, that's the newspaper of the United States government, of the executive branch, and you go start prowling around in their search engine for central bank digital currencies, you're going to find out two things. They're ready to roll them out, and the reason why they're rolling them out is because minority communities do not have access to credit, which has nothing to do with currency or digital currency. That's the reason they're using to redress the structural racism in our economy. That was in President Biden's executive order where he mandated the implementation of central bank digital currencies as quickly as possible. 
Now, there's one little issue here that they, they have to deal with. They have to make me want that digital currency. And how are they going to do that? That's going to be a crisis. A crisis is going to come up. There's going to be a big financial cataclysm. Everyone's going to be sitting at home terrified, can't go out of their houses. It's going to be dangerous. There's going to be a breakdown of social cohesion. People aren't going to have enough money to buy food. The grocery stores are going to be empty. The gas stations aren't going to have gas. We're going to beg our government to restore order. They want us to beg for our own imprisonment in the digital prison that they're preparing for us. And aren't they happy? They're smiling. It's all done for, for the earth and to redress inequality. Oh, it's wonderful. It's so wonderful. And all the young people, my gosh, I was talking to uh, a young man. He was telling me, oh, you're just, you're just an old fart. Boy, these central bank digital currencies, it's so convenient. Boy, after I talked to him for a while, guess what he did? I got him to rip his credit cards up. Snip, snip. No more credit cards. No more click and transfer. No more digital anything. Write a check. Gum up their system. You know, they tried to impose a digital currency in Nigeria. And you know what the Nigerians did? They just said, you know what, up yours. We're not going to use it. You know, something about these Africans. They've been screwed over so much and so often for so long. Hey, they didn't take the vaccines either. They just didn't do it. If it comes from the north down to the south, they know it's a screwball deal. They know it. They just reject it. They want to have cash. They don't want to have a digital currency. It's not working because the Nigerians are saying, up yours, we're not using it. And guess what? The whole thing breaks down. When we the people say, we don't want it. I'm going to tell you a little plan that I have. Those of you who know me and those of you who don't, and I say it all the time, I'm a member of the Republican Party. Not that old group of fascists, racists, and xenophobes and anti-Semites. That group, I tell them all the time, go to the American Nazi Party. I'm talking about the new party, the party of American freedom, the party of citizen well-being, that party. I, I tell people all the time, we got to think out of the box. We can't be playing a game that's no longer relevant. We need new rules because the people we're fighting against, and you've heard me say this too, they don't care if they're Nazis. They don't care if they're liberals. They don't care if they're communists. They don't care if they're socialists. Whatever they have to be to get control of we the people, they're going to do it. So I have an idea. I have an idea. I'm going to go public about it because, you know, I'm going to follow up on it. I'm here in Minnesota. I'm a member of the new party, the new Republican Party. And, you know, the Republicans in Minnesota, because they've done such an excellent job, have lost all of their power here. They're powerless. And, you know, I'm part of this new generation of people that's coming up and saying, we're going to change that. We want a message that 70% of the American citizens can rally behind. We want to create a new community. We want people to care for each other. We want to stop fighting over wedge issues 
that have dominated our politics since 1973. Why? Because our elites are making us hate each other. I don't hate people. You know, this politics of hatred, you got to buy into it. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you hate people? Are you a hater? I mean, I know this is the please call me crazy audience. Are you a hater? And the reason I say it is when you hate people, the only person that get gets injured is the person that's doing the hating. The energy of hatred is so contrary to the idea of human well-being, you damage yourself. I don't hate people. No, I'm willing to get down. I'm not afraid of it if it comes up. But when it's over, it's over. I'm not going to hang on to resentment because I don't want to hurt my own well-being. So I'm willing to think out of the box. And here's some out-of-the-box thinking. We have a very strong Democrat, great politician, here in CD3, Minnesota, Congressional District 3. His name is Congressman Dean Phillips, Democrat. I've met him. I know him. I got connectivity with him. And I'm going to go to him very shortly, and I'm going to make him an offer. Hopefully it's an offer he can't refuse. The offer is going to be, Congressman Phillips, if you are willing to champion in the Congress legislation which prevents the U.S. government from instituting a central bank digital currency, if you'll do that, if you'll commit to that, we're going to give you a pass here in CD3. Just that one issue, it's the most important issue. I want to try to turn these Congress people one at a time because this issue is the it's the key that goes in the lock of the prison door and ends our freedom and ends our republic. And I don't want them to do it because we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Beautiful words. Digital currency abrogates this. That's why they're imposing it upon us. That's why we have $33 trillion of national debt. They're creating the crisis, which will destroy our currency. And then they're going to come in. When I say they, I mean the central bank and the rich people that are owning the central bank and their minions, the politicians who are on their payroll. They're going to run in and say, oh, we got the answer. Yeah, right. Up yours. I don't want your answer. I want to pay the debt down. I want to keep the cash in my pocket. I want to keep my economy. And I don't want you to tell me that I got to turn in my $10 to get $1 back of digital currency because that's their plan. They're going to take everything we have to fill in this giant hole. Not going to let them do it. That's what this politics is about. Well-being is about having something. That's why every American citizen deserves a chance to have something. And you know how we get it? Blessed are you, God, and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the light and the dark. Blessed are you, God, and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating me in your image. 
Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for making me an American. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for keeping me free. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for healing the blind. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for feeding the people. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for releasing the bound. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for raising up the downtrodden. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for creating the heavens and the earth. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for providing for all my needs. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for directing my path. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for our American courage. Blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for crowning America with glory. And blessed are you, God and King of all worlds. Thank you for restoring strength to the weary. Well, our valiant Royce White had a rough weekend. Not only did the power lose the game, he was injured. Not severely, but he was injured, and injury is no fun. Let's just take a little look here at the highlights of the Big Three Week 6, the Powers game. Just because it's fun, I enjoy it. Let's take a look. Tanner, can you cue that up, please? Mobley hits the three. Stewart denied. And that's what we're talking about with a guy like Royce White. Power trying to be the first with five. Rice with the triple. Just like Glenn Rice Sr. Austin facing up. White staying with him. Gets the bounce against a quality defender. Yeah, we saw that in game one. Frank Sesslin's missed the entire basket. But it didn't slow him down. No. He stayed aggressive. Session scored 28 game two against the triplets. White all day to nail the three. Again, nearly made two in a row. Crawford off the bounce, the three is good. But see, in a situation like that, Crawford made that shot, but Eliza Stewart with the hustle. A great start today in Boston. We say that a lot in many cities. As Stewart fires and hits a tough three, nearly fit the break at TD Garden. Miller, wow, ankle breaker. Down the lane and stuff. Whoa, Miller got a respected shot. Miller pulls up, and the big guy with the long mid-range two. Those plays. In these games, it's worth noting, Smobley hits a three with a hand in his face. Crawford slips it. Miller in one. That was one of the best offensive possessions that we've seen today. Crawford, for the shoot, three, it's good! Crossover and a stroke in the corner. The give two. Yeah. Rice, tough runner. Klein, yes. Crawford dancing with it. Jordan Crawford. Oh, corner three. Another one. 
Crawford missed a three. Stewart, big rebound and the putback. And the enemies can win with the next basket. Austin, hounded. Leads it across. Foul game. Gets it. Wave it goodbye in Boston. It's Austin and the enemies, winners against power. Well, <laughs> you don't win every time. You just want to win more than you lose. I feel that way in my life. I just want to win more than I lose. I work on it every day. This was not a good day for power. And guess what we got? We got one, two, three, four, five, six teams. Six teams at the top of the heap at four and two in the big three. Wow, what a finish to the season we're going to have. And from my perspective, very entertaining. I mean, I'd rather watch the big three than the other guys any day of the week. And I urge you to tune in next weekend on Sunday on CBS. Another game's coming up. We don't even know who's playing who. The schedule has not yet been released. It's going to come out after this podcast. So we'll let you know when we know. But I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to mybookie.com. I'm laying I'm laying action down on this. We had all these teams at 4 and 2. I want to get some skin in the game. Mybookie.com is a Patriot Economy participant. I'm asking you to go to mybookie. Now, when I was in the live chat in one of these recent episodes, I had people coming to me and saying that they were laying money, not that they were necessarily gamblers, mind you. But they understand the importance of supporting the Patriot economy, a company like MyBookie. And I want to thank you for doing it. That was very uplifting when I was reading that people were actually putting up a 20 or a 50 just to be part of the part of the experience. And of course, when you get some skin in the game, it makes the games that much more fun. Now, when you go to MyBookie.com and use promo code Royce, MyBookie is going to give you some opportunity. They're going to give you some credits. If you win, you can go all the way up to a thousand bucks with with winnings on their finance. You got a chance to use promo code Royce to get some goodies, to get some spoils. So they want to get you going. They want to get you coming back. It's a great website. It's a great website. Very frictionless. As a business person, I really appreciated it. Go to mybookie.com. Let's get into the last of this season, this big three season. Let's support Royce. He needs our support. He's rehabbing an injury. Couldn't come back because he, he couldn't come back. He was laid out. Had a pretty severe groin injury. He's getting treatment in Boston. God bless him. God give him a speedy recovery. Let's hope he's ready to get down this coming Sunday. And let's hope that power finishes that Sunday at 5-2. and two. We want to see our team win. And we're going to make it more fun by going to mybookie.com. Thank you very much. Now... Having done our pitch, we're going to get into a very serious topic, very serious, which is this war in the Ukraine. Wow. Tanner, can you cue up this piece about Ukraine breaks through Russian defenses with Western-trained troops? This is war. Давай, давай, давай! Давай! 
This is, uh, for those of our listeners, this is a Ukrainian brigade working through a bombed-out, defoliated uh, forest area heading towards combat with the Russians. They're making small advances in the southern part of Ukraine and south of the Bakhmut area in the east. These are visuals of uh, Ukrainian soldiers. Here's a Soviet-area T-72 tank and two U.S. Bradley fighting vehicles. Russian military bloggers said Ukrainian forces had managed to breach through the defensive lines. This is what it looks like. If you're getting this and you're, you're watching, you're seeing what this stuff looks like. There goes some Russians allegedly allegedly running away. They're running away. Up, oh, some of them got killed. There it is. Boy, what a what a great scene that is. Just want to play this for you to see how real this is. And you know, we don't take it real. It looks like a movie. Looks like a movie. Here's a blown up vehicle. People were killed when it was blown up. We just accept this as if it doesn't really affect us. That's good, Tanner. Thank you. So the Ukrainians are claiming that they're breaking through Russian lines. Well, guess what the Russians are claiming? The Russians are claiming that 20,800 Ukrainians have died in the second month of the counteroffensive. 1,435 Ukrainians died this past weekend alone, according to the Russians. I can't tell what's going on there, and nobody else really can. It's a meat grinder. These people are dying wholesale. We're sitting in our cozy, air-conditioned homes, watching it on television. This is a little different than some of the other home-viewing opportunities we've had over the last 50 years. This one can spin out of control and kill all of us. You know, when, for example, we had the Vietnam War when I was a, a kid. There was no chance of that thing boiling over and becoming a nuclear conflict. It was never discussed. It wasn't possible. We've had many wars in the Middle East. We've had many conflicts in, in all over the world, in Africa, in Asia. Constant fighting, constant turning the inventory. You know, and I say this, I want you to think about this British business model that we've inherited. Slavery, drugs, and piracy. Slavery, drugs, and piracy. The piracy part, that's warfare. If you're a military-industrial complex company, you're not going to get any more orders unless the inventory gets used up. This is the only business in the world that overtly every piece of inventory is dedicated to killing somebody. What a great business that is. Now, of course, they say they're protecting us. It's all for peace. Peace, peace through strength. Nah, that's always been and always will be BS. These people profit from the deaths of young men, period. Doesn't matter if they're Ukrainian young men, Russian young men, American young men. It's just a horrifying way to run the world. And we accept it because we don't realize we can stand up and say, up yours, we don't accept it. I don't want, I know I have a military age male son. I don't want him to go through that. I don't want him to get drafted. I don't want him to serve like that or die like that. 
I've raised him to be a little tough son of a He's tough. But I don't want him to get killed in a war for profit. I want him, if he has to die in a war, I want him to die in a righteous and divine war where we're defending human freedom or human dignity, but not playing around in some geopolitical chess game that's run by the globalists and other elites to use up the inventory. Now, just forget that. I'm just not into it. I know there are people who are into it. You know, if you're ex-military, it's been my experience that it's kind of a mixed bag. Some of my friends are really anti-war. They're life takers, and they're tortured by what they've been through. They have post-traumatic stress disorder. Can't sleep. Other people seem to want to perpetuate this myth as if America is supposed to be an empire. They do it behind the scam of democracy and democratic values. We have to spread our democratic values throughout the world as if our culture is the truth and everybody else's culture is a myth. You know, that's a real trap. When you hear people dragging you down a road where they're telling you that what they believe is the truth and what you believe is you're stupid, hey, these people are eugenicists, they're Darwinists, and they're probably racists. We want to avoid that. The truth is something we search for. None of us possess truth because none of us are God. We're not God. We're trying to get as close to the truth as we can get to. And we have to act out of what we think truth is. But I always have a voice in my head asking me, I ask myself, are you sure? Now, that's not a lack of faith. That's called reality testing. And I want to share this with the people that are watching. And why? Because some people are watching me closely. I can tell from the live chats. This is something that I've been dealing with many, many decades because before I did this, I was teaching people different types of things in other venues and forums. And um, there's a certain amount of faith involved, particularly when you're doing deadly things, dangerous things. And I always told people, and I believe this myself, you have to have 100% faith, but you got to maintain your reality testing. You have to keep your ears open and your head on a swivel. Circumstances change. You can't get locked into a kind of thinking which takes you down a road, for example, to genocide. You have to be able to say, no, I'm not following that order. We just had a thing here in the Republican Party in Minnesota where somebody asked a question and two people jumped up and said, we were following orders. They were following the orders of Mr. We Don't Need Any More Republicans. And one of my uh, associates said, where have we heard this before? And that's correct. That's a correct question to ask. Where have we heard people say before, I was just following orders? We have to be careful with these kind of things. People's lives hang in the balance. So we have this conflict in Ukraine. We really can't tell for sure what's going on. But if you ask me to handicap it, I would say the whole comments that we find online about how great the Ukrainians are doing is propaganda. And why I say that is when I go to YouTube or I go to Google to get information about what's happening, the first, like, forever articles and videos are how great the Ukrainians are doing. 
There's nothing there saying that the Russians are adequately defending. There's nothing at all that I could find that was advancing a Russian narrative except going to those websites that specialized in that kind of information. I'm not there. I don't know what's happening. You don't know what's happening. But my guess is they're feeding us a line of BS and that these Ukrainians are dying in just tremendous numbers. And they're going to run out of people. You, If the Russians are correct, if they're losing that many young men in that short a period of time, those are not sustainable losses. And I, if you remember the last podcast, and I, I've been doing so much work this week, I can't remember if it was Please Call Me Crazy or the Professor Penn Podcast, and please go visit there and subscribe because we're all one free people radio family. The Poles were moving troops to the Belarusian border and the Wagner Group was moving troops down to the Polish border because it looks like the Poles are getting in position to occupy parts of the Ukraine because they fear a collapse of the Ukrainian military and the Ukrainian government. That's kind of a tell, isn't it? If things are going so good for the Ukrainians, why are the Poles getting ready to occupy part of the Ukraine, or at least that's the reports. You know, in a war zone, really good information is hard to come by. So we just have to keep our eyes on it and try to find the truth by interpreting the lies. That's all we can do. That's all we can do. we got to keep up on this Ukrainian drama. If it was up to me, and you know, these Please Call Me Crazy uh, podcasts, there's 30,000, 40,000 people that watch it. You know, if I could get 30,000, 40,000 people out on street corners around the United States of America with signs that said, peace now, peace, just like Code Pink was doing in 2000 in Bush when the U.S. military overran Iraq, in Afghanistan, and they, you know, the lefties were out in the street. The lefties, the leftists, and I salute them for this. They were out in the streets saying, "Peace, we want peace." Where are the protesters now? Where are those people now? You know where they are? They're home with their Ukrainian flags flying in the front yard. They really were hypocrites. They really weren't about peace. They were really about messing with 2000 and Bush. Because war is war. If you're anti-war here, you're anti-war there. You're anti-war. But these people weren't. They just used the war as a way to grind on the right of the political spectrum to attack Bush. That's so hypocritical. And it's so depressing. It's so depressing. I mean, at least, at least it's alleged that two Big skyscrapers came down because of terrorists that flew planes into those buildings and over 3,000 people died. I mean, that's what the evidence seems to be. People died. I mean, you know, what are we doing in the Ukraine with our money and all the thousands of U.S. mercenaries that are there getting paid to kill Russians? This does not have a good ending. Got to stop this war. We got to demand that it stops. You can go to your senator or your congressperson's website and communicate with them, and please do it. This is more than just being a community coming together. 
We're here to take action together. Well, people are taking action. They are taking action. I call this an attack from the left. You know, we're getting into a political season. We're approaching. Now, I know it's just the summer of 2023, but you're watching it. It's heating up. It's heating up. We're getting close to a presidential campaign. While there's a lot of confusion about this, there's a lot of people I know that don't think there's going to be elections. You know, there's a lot of negativity and give up. Well, you know, I don't want to do that. I'm going to play every game as if I'm going to win. And I want to win more than I lose. So I'm really looking to this community and all the people that are working together to get out there and implement a strategy and win. We're trying to win. What are we trying to win? We're trying to win political power and wrest it away from these globalists such that we can restore our republic, maintain our currency, protect our freedom, and make every policy about the well-being of the American people. That's what we're doing here. And you know what's coming from the left, too? On the left, the far left, the communist left, a champion has emerged who, from the Democrat side of the equation, is rising up to criticize the Uni Party. No different than I'm criticizing the Uni Party. I'm coming about it from the right side of the equation. I'm saying this Uni Party sucks. These people are about the status quo of piracy and drugs and slavery. And I'm on them every time I get on air. Well, a champion has emerged from the far left, and his name is Professor Reverend Cornell West. Tanner, can you play back-to-back these two pieces from Cornell West? Every politician has got to be able to seize the moment and let the world know you are a fighter for those who have been spit on, subjugated, dominated, exploited. They can't live vicariously through your symbolic success. Now, how are you going to use your success? You see, are you going to continue to bend whatever you can, your authority and influence to try to empower poor and working people? See, success and greatness are not the same thing for me. Success is being in a position of authority, power, and influence. Greatness is what you do with it. Hang on one second before you go on. You know, he sounds, I mean, I say the same thing. I'm saying the same thing from the right. We agree this far. We agree that people have authority. They have influence. They're part of the structure. They're part of the uni party. What are they doing with it? Are they making policies that benefit every person in America? Well, of course not. 85% of our fellow citizens are living hand-to-mouth. 60% of our fellow citizens have chronic disease conditions that negatively impact the quality of their lives. Oh, my goodness gracious, we have a $6 trillion budget, and people are falling farther and farther behind financially, and they're getting sicker and sicker. And Cornell West is calling this out. He's saying, come on, what kind of scam is being run on us here? Let's listen to the next piece, and we're going to learn a lot about Cornell West. All the folk who follow Trump are not neo-fascists, but they're conservative, and they're based, and it's motivated by one fundamental fact. They have a profound hatred of the professional managerial class that they see as the winners of corporate globalization, and they associate that with black people, with Jews, 
with gay brothers, lesbian sisters, trans, and used to be Catholics, but I ran into David Duke down there, and he's now head of one of the Klan groups. That's American uh, upward mobility American style. They have a Catholic now running the Klan, and the Klan began by hating Catholics, Jews, and black folk. And, and we're going to see more of that as well. You're going to see more Jewish folks supporting the neo-fascists. You're going to see more black folks supporting the neo-fascists. That's where we are now. Well, that's how he sees me. I'm a neo-fascist. I'm one of them Jewish folk that's, you know, supporting the neo-fascists. That's how they see it. And he actually was speaking kind of um, kindly about the sellouts who are implementing the policies of the globalists. And why not? He's a Harvard professor. He's part of that structure. I don't know Cornell, Cornell West very well. Don't know him at all. But I've been following him my entire adult life. As a matter of fact, he was already prominent when, was on, when I was on the East Coast as a student back in the 70s. This guy's been around a long time. He's a very hardcore leftist, a communist. Of course he's okay with that managerial class. They're implementing communism. What he's afraid of us, what he's afraid of is us American citizens that he labels as fascists, neo-fascists, because we support Trump. That's how he sees us. Okay, he's entitled to his opinion. I'm not a neo-fascist. I'm a man who believes in God, just like Cornell West does. I'd like to sit down with Cornell West and talk to him. Maybe I'll get the chance. And, of course, what he's going to say is, Professor Penn, I didn't mean you were a neo-fascist. You're a man of God. We agree with each other. It's all these other fascists. Well, you know what I say? If you're an anti-Semite, a racist, a homophobe, or a xenophobe, Get out of the Republican Party and go join the American Nazi Party. I've been saying it on podcast after podcast. So I guess we kind of agree with each other on that point. But where we beg to differ, where I beg to differ is, I'm not down with this managerial class as the, as the supposed winners. I don't think they're the winners. I think they're the, the assholes that are sellouts to the empire. And I think from that statement, I would have to question Cornell West and have him tell me why he's not a sellout to the empire. But guess what? He's going to peel off far-left votes from the Democrat coalition. This is going to create problems for Joe Biden or, who, or whoever runs as the uniparty candidate for the Democrat Party, for whoever is trying to maintain the status quo of piracy, drugs, and slavery. Cornell West is going to take some votes from these people, and that's really critical. And I'm not saying I like Cornell West, but I'm not saying I dislike him. Let's listen to what he has to say. Let's let him bring forth his critique of the Uni Party. And let us remember that he sees American citizens who want the value of their sovereignty, of an American nation, of borders, as neo-fascists, as nationalists. What he's saying is, because I believe in a country and I'm not a globalist. Because, see, he's a communist. Remember, workers of the world unite. I'm not going to say that Cornell West is a useful idiot. He's a very intelligent man. 
I'm going to start studying what he has to say, learn from it, and bring forward the evidence into the podcasts. But one thing's for sure. The Democrat Party is terrified of him. Terrified. Because they know he's going to siphon off votes, and he's not kidding around. He's a serious player, and he's rejecting the status quo, just like Professor Penn and Royce White are rejecting that status quo. And they got more problems. They got more problems. They got an attack from the center. Let's take seven minutes and listen to the son of a martyr, Bobby Kennedy Jr., being interviewed by, uh, you can't get any more status quo than this guy. Let's play him with Mr. Hannity here. I don't like the fact that America is bearing the brunt and the burden of financing most of the war against Putin in Ukraine. I think we agree on that part. Why isn't Europe, why don't they ever step up and defend their own continent before they ask for U.S. involvement? And why would Joe Biden veto Poland giving Zelensky fighter jets to actually fight to win the war after they were invaded? Well, the more disturbing thing is that uh, on two occasions, the Russians tried to sign a peace agreement with Zelensky. Do you trust Putin? Do I trust Putin? No, but that's not... I don't, listen, I, I've, I've litigated over 500 lawsuits. All of them end up with, or many of them end up with settlements or one kind or the other. And he never trusts the guy on the other side. You use language art, and you use the design of agreement. So Ukraine, to, to appease Putin, uh, Putin, rather, who I think is evil, they've already given up Crimea. It was annexed. So what, they, now they have to give up the Donbass area? Well, I, you know, they, Ukraine, because of our pushing the Ukraine into the war, on two occasions, they, they, in we, we pushed them into it, or did Putin... Well, let me made... tell you. Let me, let me answer your question. Yeah. In 2019, France, Germany, and Russia all agreed to the Minsk Accords. That year, Zelensky ran for president. He was a comedian. He had no political experience. Why did he win? Because he, he won, ran on one issue, signing the Minsk Accords. As soon as he got in there, Victoria Nuland and the White House told him he couldn't do it. Then Putin sends 40,000 troops in. That's not enough to conquer the country. Clearly, he wanted us to come to the negotiation. He wanted somebody to come to the negotiating table. Zelensky came to the negotiating table, signed a new agreement that was the Minsk Accords II in 2022, and that would have allowed Donbass to stay, and Lugansk, to stay to remain as part of, of Ukraine. We said Putin signed it, Zelensky initialed it, and Putin, in good faith, began withdrawing troops from the Ukraine. What happened? We sent Boris Johnson over there to torpedo it, because we don't want peace with, we want the war with Russia. What, what, what are the, why are you blaming America's role in this? And, and uh, look, I, I am, Putin to me is an evil, murdering dictator thug, and when he leaves this earth, nobody's gonna miss him. Let's be honest. Um, however, I think that Europe has a responsibility to protect their continent, and yet it always seems to fall in the United States. Joe Biden has committed all these billions of dollars that we can't afford, and he's not fighting the war to win the war. I don't believe in fighting wars half-assed. If you're going to fight a war, you go in, overwhelming force, you beat them, you get the hell out. That's it. And only if it's provoked. 
Putin did not need to invade in, in a sovereign country, in my view. Is Zelensky perfect? Nope. I don't think he is either. I agree with you on that part. But America's role, I think, should be dictated first by Europe, and they've got to defend their continent. And they haven't stepped up, in my view. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think most of the European countries wanted the war either. They, we, it's clear what happened, which is that, you know, from the beginning, we promised in 1992, the Russian leadership said, we will move, this was, was Gorbachev, said when, when the Soviet Union, he was getting ready to dismantle the Soviet Union, and he said, we're going to allow you, we're going to withdraw 400,000 troops from, from East Germany, and we're going to allow you to reunite Germany under NATO, which is a hostile army. That's a huge concession for them. The one commitment that we want, is what the Russians said, is that you will not move NATO to the east. James Baker, who was then Secretary of State under Bush, famously promised we will not move NATO one inch to the east. Well, since then, we've moved it 1,000 miles in 14 countries. Now, when we started that plan in 1997, Bill Perry, who was the Secretary of Defense under Clinton, said to the Clinton administration, if you move NATO to the east, I am resigning because you are forcing the Russians to come to war with us. George Kennan was the most important diplomat in American history, the architect of the containment policy during World War II, said the same thing. You do not need to make an, a, 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 an enemy out of Russia. Russia should be treated the way we won the Cold it gets, War. It gets complex. Let me ask you a question. China has been showing nothing but hostility. COVID, uh, intellectual property theft, uh, unfair trade practices. They've been confronting our Navy ships uh, in international waterways. They've been confronting our fighter jets in international airways. They had the spy drone go fly all around the country, and no, Joe didn't shoot it down. Uh, they threatened to shoot hypersonic missiles at the U.S. They're threatening to take out Taiwan and take over Taiwan. They call it reunification. Uh, if you're president, would you come to the defense of Taiwan, our ally? Well, no, no, president, no presidential candidate with any prudence would answer that question. Our, 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 uh, our, our, policy, our policy towards Taiwan is strategic ambiguity, and that makes a lot of sense. You don't want to project your enemy what you're going to do in, in a certain case or embolden your friends to go to war thinking that you're going to support them. So that's been our policy, and it's a sensible Do you see policy. China as our top geopolitical foe? They're also trying yes. to undermine the U.S. dollar, yes. you do. Yeah, and, and that's why, that is one, that's another reason why the war in Ukraine is insane, because we have pushed China into the Donald Trump said he could resolve the issue. Could you, do you think you can create a peace agreement between Ukraine and Russia? I think we have to, there's no joint, Russia's not going to lose this war. Russia can't afford, this would be like us, losing a war to Mexico. They're not, they are not going to lose the war. Go look at what Russia did in Stalingrad in order to preserve its, its territorial integrity. Russia's been invaded three times through the Ukraine. Russia's been invaded three times through the Ukraine. The last time, Hitler killed one out of every seven Russians. They're 400 miles from Moscow. We already have Aegis missile systems within 12 minutes of Moscow. We wouldn't tolerate that if the Russians did it in 1962 when they put them in, in Cuba. Cuba. My uncle was going to invade if they... If they I want to talk out. a little bit about your background growing up, your uncle as president, uh, 
what happened to him, what happened to your dad, he was the attorney general, uh, and what you think about how, what, how those things happened. More with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as Hannity continues. Please stay with Thanks, Tanner. Well, Tanner, did some of that sound a little familiar? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. You know, I, <laughs> you know, I, I want to do this in a measured way, but I think that some of the things that I say in the Professor Penn podcast, Tanner probably looks at me and goes, where'd you come up with that? Well, it's be in there and study. Bobby Kennedy Jr. just recited word for word verbatim, what all of the students of the history have concluded, that we the people, the government that we elect, and remember, that's us because we're self-governing. We the people violated our agreements with the Russians. We the people incurred further and further into the Eastern Europe region, that we have provoked the Russians, that we overthrew a duly elected Ukrainian government and installed a puppet regime there, we've done everything we can to get into this war with the Russians. The question would be, why? Why? Why are they doing it? Why are they doing it? Well, I'll give you a really simple answer. The Russians have $100 trillion of raw materials as yet, natural resources, as yet, not taken up out of the ground and monetized. $100 trillion. You know, in the piracy and drugs and slavery business model, that piracy, that stealing stuff, stealing someone else's stuff, that's how this group of folks go to work, looking to see what they can rob. The Crown did it. We've talked about it. The Crown, the British Crown invaded the Russian, uh, of course, that was the time of the czars. 1807, they invaded. 1853, there was the Crimean War. At the end of World War I, right after the Russian Revolution, 700,000 international troops occupied huge sections of Russia, including 13,000 American troops that occupied, occupied Vladivostok, which is close to Alaska, Bobby Kennedy talked about the invasion of the Germans, Operation Barbarossa, 1942. One in seven Russians were killed. Think about that for odds. One in seven. It's kind of a genocide, right? So we the people were the aggressors. And here's this young Kennedy. He's not young anymore, but he, he you know, he's... He's the next generation, the son of a martyr, still vigorous, sharp, charismatic, coming out. And what's he going to do? He's going to leech votes out of the center of the Democrat Party. Oh, they got problems. They got trouble in River City. The Democrat Party coalition is being divided, as well it should be. As well it should be. Now... On the Republican side, as if there is a side, but let's just humor me. Let's just call it a side. We got really one candidate, one, one current candidate. What's going to happen to him? I don't know. I don't know. 
Donald Trump has a commanding control of the Republican Party. No matter what they throw at him, he gets stronger and stronger. You know, if he won the presidency and he was in a jail cell, he could pardon himself. Whoa, that's the motivation to win the presidency. I pardon myself. Reminds me of a scene in Schindler's List where uh, the German uh, antihero, the villain, looks at looks at himself in the mirror and he goes, I pardon you. You know, that's that's where Trump's going to be at if he wins this election and they've convicted him and imprisoned him. I mean, this is a cartoon, right? That Republican side, the way the establishment, the power structure is persecuting Trump, trying to destroy his candidacy, it's cartoon-like, except it's horrifying. And guess what? His support doesn't waver. People are going to support him no matter what they do to him. How far are they going to go with this? So the uni party, the status quo, is being attacked by Trump on the right, Kennedy in the center, and Cornell West on the left. These people are under a full-out assault. Their business model is pissing people off. And candidates, champions are rising up that are attacking this horrifying way we run our country. I'm very happy about it. Very happy about it. I think Bobby Kennedy is great. My mind's open on Cornell West, and my mind's certainly open on Donald Trump. So we have the potential to see some real change here. But let's just remember, the people on the top of the hill, the people that have the power, they'll do anything they have to to maintain their power. Anything. They're willing to do literally anything. So we the people are confronted with a relatively terrifying set of possibilities. And I, I watch the live chats and I talk to people. I know people are really, uh, you know, prognosticating assassinations, martial law, no elections. And, you know, I'm going to say the same thing to all of you that I say to people in my own camp that work with me that are so concerned about the election integrity. Let us not be so focused on this message that we convince people to give up. We're not going to give up. Let me tell you, there's plenty of time to die if the dying time comes. That takes care of itself. What are we going to do to live? We need every American citizen that cares about God and family and country to get involved right now. This is the penultimate moment to implement a strategy. The strategy. Now, there's a lot of strategies. I just want to talk again, because I'm trying to motivate you. I'm trying to motivate you because I lay in bed at night, unable to sleep, full of anxiety, full of, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, runaway free-floating anxiety, terrified, can't sleep because I'm worried about how this is going to come out. And I do want to say, and I, I'm, if you're suffering from this, go with me. I know this is a straight-up pitch, but, I mean, it really makes a lot of sense. There's nothing more important than my well-being. I can't give up my well-being or I can't be in the fight. So we have a sponsor in the Patriot Economy, Ghostbed. Ghostbed is a, a 
a patriot company. They're supporting this movement. They're supporting this broadcast. They have products, a catalog at ghostbed.com of everything you need in your bedroom, sheets and mattresses and pillowcases, all the accoutrement, everything you need, it's there. And I'm going to ask you, just like I asked you to go to mybookie.com, I'm asking you to show your support for the movement. Not that I'm trying to sell you a mattress. I'm trying to sell you on supporting the movement. That's the strategy. That's the fundamental piece of this strategy. We got Truth Media over here. We're Truth Media. I'm not telling you that I know the truth. I'm telling you I'm searching for the truth with you. And boy, do I like reading in the live chat what people are thinking. So please keep that up. Let's be a community and communicate one to another. So we got this truth media working. We got this patriot economy working. It's all the businesses and people that are putting their skin in the game to support truth media. And if we support, if we, the American people, support truth media by spending our money in the patriot economy, we're going to win. It's just that simple. We are going to win, and we're going to maintain our freedom. And please, if you don't know what freedom's worth, discover it. How do you find out what freedom is worth? How do you do that? How do you do that? That's a great question, isn't it? Because what really dogs us is most people don't care about their freedom. They've given it up for convenience. The convenience of a material high or for materialism and for safety. We've given up our freedom. I know Royce has said this for years. I've heard him say it many times. You've heard him say it. I'm saying it. Other people are starting to say it because we're getting our thinking right about what we're doing here. So when I'm, you know, when I'm laying up at, you know, at night, can't sleep, I'm trying to come up with the right words to share with you. We find our freedom and the importance of our freedom when we discover our faith, when we, when we understand that the entire purpose of these people that are globalists, that are against the nation state America, that are against American citizenship, that have opened our borders, that are destroying our economy, that are creating chaos in our society that we can't even understand. It's so triggering and upsetting. These people at the base, what is their goal? Their goal is to eliminate any connection between me as a human being and a creator, a supernatural being that I can have a relationship with. That's my freedom. My freedom, my free will, is to choose a relationship with God. They don't want that. They're absolutely opposed to that. They do not believe that human beings need God. They have taken it upon themselves to believe in positive eugenics, which is their ability to use science in the scientific method to evolve the human species as they see fit. And as I always like to say, the little bastard cousin of eugenics, positive eugenics, is genocide. Genocide, the killing of millions because of just who they are. But you know, that was you know about the Jews and the blacks and the Chinese, I mean, all of these groups suffered. You know, the Chinese suffered a huge genocide at the hands of the Japanese, 20 million people. And that's genocide, right? We've had all these genocides. 
Well, you know, this group is an equal opportunity genocidal uh, maniac. They're about survival of the fittest. If you're not the fittest, you got to go. And you got to see it for yourself. You got to find it for yourself. So when I'm laying in bed at night thinking about this, I need help sleeping. And I know this sounds funny to just pop into this and say ghost bed, but this company is supporting this broadcast and they're providing you, the listener and the viewer, with products that are going to aid your sleep, which is critical to your well-being. So at the end of this broadcast, please go to ghostbed.com, use promo code ROYCE, and get 40% off everything in their catalog. And God bless them for supporting the movement, and thank you for supporting them. That's how we're going to win. And this patriot economy is a fundamental cornerstone of us winning this game. We've got to start to figure out what we can do as individuals. We have to do everything that we can do and we're willing to do. We cannot be passive. Let's just say you're not interested in being in politics, which is fine. You don't want to join the party. You don't want to write letters to your congresspeople. Fine. You don't want to go out in the streets and protest. It's dangerous. Fine. You don't want to pray. You don't have time to study. All the different things that I lay out as strategies. You know what you can do? Carry cash. Carry cash and use cash. Get rid of your credit cards. Stop the auto pays. Eliminate the point and click to transfer money. Gum up their plans. And that money you have in your pocket, please spend it with small business. Spend it with the people who actually are taking a risk as individuals to provide you with a service, an honest service. I'm an independent business person. I have a small business. I talked to a guy today. He saw me on the uh, John Fredericks Radio Network, uh, and uh, he contacted me, and he had bought some product from my company, and uh, he made a mistake. He decided to change his mind, and he was out of his mind about it because, you know, we had his credit card, and the product was on the way. He was really pissed. And I said, whoa, 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 partner, slow down, slow down. I'm not against you. I'm with you. We're in the same community. You got my name through conservative media. I'm doing business with you. I don't care about this one transaction. I called you on my cell phone. Save my number. Save my number. Let me come out a little bit here about this. I'm the owner of TireGet.com. I own it. I own it, and I'm doing it because I'm trying to fund this movement. People are going to say, oh, I'm going to get rich doing it. Hey, I'll get rich. I'm trying not to go bankrupt doing this. The time and the energy that I'm putting in, I'm an officer of the Republican Party. I work with people constantly, all day long, every day. I work at, with them at the level of their well-being. I care about them. You know, young Tanner is here, my producer. It's taken him weeks to recognize I'm not an ass. Is that a true statement or not? I don't like to admit it, but yeah. <laughs> See, he's young. He sees a gray-haired guy. He figures, I'm just in it for the cash, and I'm going to treat him like inventory. It took him a long time to realize I'm trying to develop a personal relationship with him for no other reason than he's a human being. 
I'm trying not to go bankrupt. These small business people that you know, that you drive by on the way to the box store, the small market that you drive by on the way to go to the big chain, because it's convenient. They got everything. Hey, every brand, the price is better. You know, I have people come up and go, boy, we can get a better price at blah, 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 Mart. Well, of course you can. They got the game rigged. They're trying to put small business out of business. Why? Because when people like me no longer have any funds, we can't support the movement. We can't talk to you. They're trying to stifle my voice. And what I'm trying to do is talk to you, being very, very transparent about this. I wish I could tell you I was trying to get rich. I do. We're not communists. Are you a communist? I mean, we're not communists after all. We're American citizens. We believe in freedom. The whole thing we're fighting is communism. Now, not communism as in communism, but communism as in globalists will use any ideology to get control of this planet so that we can get clipped out, so they can take everything away from me that I have. That piracy part, my bank, will take everything I've ever worked for, everything I've ever acquired. They'll take every last stick and brick in my name from me because I've guaranteed them that I'll pay them if I can't make ends meet. So please, go to TireGet.com. 14,000 different kinds of tires in stock, and you're going to get to meet me. I'm going to take your call. And like this guy called in, he was in Washington, and he was out of his gourd. He thought he was going to get screwed. I said, partner, partner, keep my telephone number. I'll cancel the order. I'll bring the tires back. It's all good. Just call me next time. Who talks like that? You can actually do business when you do business with mybookie.com, ghostbed.com, tireget.com, or if you go to precinctstrategy.com to learn about how to get in the game of politics. We're talking about human beings here that are going to try to make a relationship with you. And I have to be frank, it's not because of you. It's because of me. I treat everybody with dignity and respect because I follow, guess what, the golden rule. I treat you the way I wish to be treated. The master rabbi said, there's only two great commandments that matter. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your might and all your soul. That's number one. Number two, treat your neighbor as you would wish your neighbor to treat you. And if you can remember these two, just these two commandments, the entire law rests on that. If you stick with those two, you can't go wrong. So when they, people call me, they go, oh, you treat me so great. I always say to them, it's, not, it's got nothing to do with you. Don't let it go to your head. I'm treating you this way because of my relationship with the God, the God, the one true living God that I love with all my heart and all my soul and all my might. I'm doing it for my relationship with God because he told me to treat you with the kind of love I want you to treat me. And if we spread this out, the strategy, if we spread this out, if we got away from the Darwinism, see, here's the scam, right? And I've, if you've heard me say this before, let me say it again because I remember it like it was yesterday. I went to seventh grade. I was like, oh, my goodness, it was so long ago. It must have been like 1970. 
69. Went to seventh grade junior high school, Highland Park Junior High School in St. Paul, Minnesota. It was a brand new building. There was about 1,100 kids in my class. It was a beautiful time in America. America was a lot is large and in charge. We all thought we were the masters of the universe. And I went into my junior high school seventh grade biology class, and there was Mr. Weber, who was a Catholic, and he was duty bound by the curriculum to teach me the origin of the species, Darwinism, which I'd never heard before because I was raised in a community of faith. I was raised that the creation myth of the world was Genesis of the Old Testament, Adam and Eve. The world was created in seven days. And Mr. Weber presented the origin of the species to me. And you know, I didn't look at Genesis again until like yesterday because it seemed perfectly logical and he used all the arguments. We have... Uh, carbon dating on these rocks. There's no way that the world was created in seven days. There's no way that the world's only several thousand years old. This is all a fairy tale. He used all the arguments. All the arguments. It was crazy. You know, he just wrecked Genesis for me. He wrecked it. He was told to wreck it. And our education has been wrecking Genesis since the 1800s. This concept of Darwinism has been getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And if you go back and do your source homework, if you look at the past, you really look at the past, you're going to see that back in the 1880s, the British intellectual tradition was already plotting out the future to today. They were already plotting out the transhumanism. If you don't know what that is, that is the eugenicists evolving the human species with technology not allowing the natural evolution that would be part of God's world, but intervening because the human intellect in their world is all that matters. There is no God to these people. Or if there is a God, it's the anti-God. Or as they like to say, the anti-Christ. So I, I went to this class and I became a materialist. I mean, my gosh, it was the 1970s in America. We were all running around trying to make money. Now, of course, I came from a very strong faith tradition. English was not the first language for most of my family members. So I was blessed to have a strong root in a world that modernity was trying to crush. And we have that right now, right here, today right now, right here today. And we see it everywhere, how the modern world, the scientific method, the well-being checkup, the medical establishment, the legal establishment, our professions, the fall from grace of the church with all of the child sexual abuse that happened. We're losing our faith. In fact, if you have faith, someone might call you a neo-fascist as Cornell West just did, because a lot of the support of the MAGA Republicans or the Trump movement are Christians. And if you go look on the whitehouse.gov website and download President Biden's white paper on domestic terrorism or on terrorism generally, but domestic terrorism, 
they identify three attributes of a potential domestic terrorist. Number one, a white supremacist, which in my book is code word or a dog whistle for Christian. Two, vaccine hesitant or vaccine denying. And three, election questioning. They've de- they have designated those three attributes as the signifier of a potential domestic terrorist. I'm going to just take a minute. Are you a Christian and white? Now, I realize we've got a multicultural audience here, but if you're a Christian, because, you know, you can be black and that's good enough for these people because they don't care about communist or socialist, Nazi or liberal. They just want to get the job done, and the job is taking control. So if, let's just say if you're a Christian and you believe in God, do you? Do you question those vaccines? Are you vaccinated? Do you question these elections? Are you an election denier? Do you have any of those three attributes? Because if you do, in the eyes of the government that we've elected, you're a potential domestic terrorist. That's how far we've come in my lifetime. And I sit back and I have to say, I salute these people. They've managed to pervert everything about this country and flip it on its head in their lust for control and their desire to implement the scientific method, which is a religion to these people. I've said this and I'm going to say it again. If you run into people that start telling you that their culture is the truth, and your culture is a myth, don't turn your back on them. They'll kill you if they get a chance. These people are not righteous. They have an agenda that's eugenicist. They are sure that what they believe justifies whatever they do to me. That's what we're dealing with in this country. And we have to wake these people up as many as we can. These are American citizens. They're all American citizens. Some of them are irredeemable. I understand that. But there are so many of these American citizens that you, in the strategy, what is the strategy? The strategy is to reveal to everyone we know and everyone we love that we're in a long con. The con is a British invention. It involves a con artist. The con artist does foundation work. And the foundation work was the Club of Rome, which rehashed the Malthusian argument that there's a gap between population growth, which is geometric, and food production, which grows linear, and that gap was starvation. Therefore, there was going to be a fight over limited resources, and there would be a survival of the fittest, the Darwinian impulse, And they decided, hey, why wait for nature to take its course? We're going to do it proactively. We're going to reduce the human population. So there was a book in the 60s called The Population Bomb, which was written by a guy named Paul Ehrlich, who was very famous. And they started talking about population, population, population. And they started talking about limiting the families. You know, most families had four, five, six kids. Nope, just two kids, then just one kid. And then a lot of countries have gone down below replacement level like Japan. 
They can't maintain their population. Their country is dying because the people have uptaken this eugenicist idea about population and child rearing so to heart that they're just not reproducing. And we're just barely reproducing here in the United States of America. Just barely. And this thing has grown. That was the foundation work, was the population problem. And then they started with the climate problem. And I, you know, my fifth grade class, before I got to Mr. Weber, Mr. Gronley, do an assignment. What's my assignment, sir? Air pollution. What did I do it on? Air pollution in London. Oh, where the crown is, because that's where all the information was available. So here I was already in the 1960s being programmed that there was too many people and too much pollution. This is the foundation work. We got to let all of our friends and relatives know that we're in this long con. It's been going on since the 60s. And why? Because the elites, the people that have the big money, the hundred billionaires, they don't want to give up the slavery, drugs, piracy narrative. You know, we were waking up. We were thinking about, oh, hey, 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 civil rights movement, women's rights movement, gay rights movement. We had all these movements about human equality and human freedom that were flourishing because of our Constitution, where all men and women are created equal. Oh, wait a sec. This thing's getting out of control. How are we going to manage all these free people that are creative and believe in God? Hey, we're going to have to cut that off right now. So what do they do? What do they do? They did everything they could to eliminate, eliminate God. 501c3 churches. President Lyndon Johnson, the Dark Lord, when he was in the Senate, passed a law that if you want to maintain your tax-exempt status as a place of worship, you can't have any political opinions. And that stifled the churches. They're all in on it. They're on the payroll. And they started expanding the size of the federal government, getting all these groups on the payroll. The universities, everybody's on the payroll. All the students are on the payroll. All the industries that are feeding the government, on the payroll. They just expanded this thing and expanded this thing. And as the government got bigger and became a leviathan, I became, instead of a free, sovereign American citizen, I became ruled. Ruled by technocrats that are in far places that know more about my life than I do, and they're going to tell me how to live it. For the earth, so that the earth can survive, to redress the wrongs of colonialism. It's all my fault, of course, that there was colonialism. I was born in the 50s. Of course it's my fault. My fault. Hey, you're an American citizen. It's your damn fault that Barbados can't put two sticks together to make a fire. That's your fault. Ever been with the Barbados? Have you been to Barbados? Do you even know where it is on the map? Are you responsible for the Barbadians? Is that your responsibility? They seem to think so. Look at the foreign aid that our country distributes to the world to get the world on the globalist payroll. This whole thing is so cocked up. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. The only way to fix it is in your backyard. You know, people say, oh, well, this is all about the international and national scene. That's another scam. It's about implementing a strategy in your backyard. Join your local political party. Put your will in the game. Take a seat at the table. 
Make people know what you think and believe. Study. Pray. Spend your time. Take a little time away from your pursuits and put it into study. Even if you're just prowling around the Internet, that's great. Fantastic. Support the patriot economy. Find the local businesses and business people that are in business and want to stay in business to serve our country, to serve you. And guess what? The customer service is going to be way better. Write letters to your elected officials. Pound them with how you feel about it. Any or all of these are good strategies. Use cash. Get away from the credit cards. Gum their system up. Go out and protest in the street. Have a sign that says, I'm anti-war. Find a way. This Every person has to find a way. Candidates, are there any of you out there that would like to run for school board? Oh, it's, it's so low level. B.S. That's where the rubber hits the road, at your school board, at your city council. Do you know that the United Nations green initiatives are being implemented in your local city and your city council? Your city council members are voting for policies that support the World Economic Forum and this long con scam about the environment? Learn how to message these things. That's what we're doing here together. I'm trying to help this community, and this community is trying to help me come up with the messaging that we need to talk to one another so that we're able to undo this long con. And we're running out of time. We're running out of time. So there's something for everyone to do. Boy, maybe some of you just want to give money. We got to set up a way for people to, do to donate to Free People Radio. I'm not ashamed to ask for money. It's not like I'm getting rich doing this. Let me say this again. Yes, I'm wearing a nice suit because I respect myself talking to you. That's my choice. I could show up in, in, in jeans and a T-shirt. I could do it. I just don't. I'm of the generation. Hey, when I was young, everybody wore a hat, okay? Go back and look at the pictures from the 50s and 60s. People went to work. They wore ties. They wore hats. Life was better then. Not for everybody, okay? Not for everybody. We had complete repression. We had apartheid in this country. Don't think I don't know it. I know it. But we've been redressing those problems my entire lifetime. So please, let's not let these people divide us. Let's come together as one community. Let's look at the issues that make us hate. And let's get that out of our system. Let's realize somebody taught us to hate. I'm a human being. I bleed red. And I've bled red many times in defense of what's right and true. When I die, and I want you to have this too, when I die, I will not be looking back with regret because I'm leaving it all on the playing field for my God and my country and my family. And that's something that's important because in that moment of death, we review what happened. We are playing for that moment. If you're young, you don't want to have to think about it. I get it. It's terrifying. I get it. What an opportunity to start at a young age to build a world of faith around yourself so that you're insulated from the faithlessness and the hate that surrounds you. One thing you can do is join your local political party. That may be the most important thing because those people are the thought police. And we got to get those people out and get you and I in so that the parties become full of love and well-being 
so that politics becomes something that uplifts us instead of dragging us down. So I want to thank you for spending your time with me tonight. It's my privilege and my honor to be with you. I wish Royce a full recovery, as I'm sure you do, and a speedy recovery and a great victory this coming weekend. And I'm going to go out with his commercial one last time because it really is here to encourage you and to ennoble you and to uplift you such that you go to precinctstrategy.com and figure out how you and your will can influence the future of the United States of America. Thank you very much for joining. Marxism is everywhere. It is all around us. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when others are too afraid to speak their mind. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. I offer you a choice, a choice between two worlds. Take the blue pill and continue living in the world of complacency and indifference. Or take the red pill. Join us in a world where patriots come together to fight for freedom. What the elites don't want you to know is that there are 200,000 open committee man seats in the Republican Party. These party members are the ones who determine the future of the GOP. The precinct strategy will teach you what it takes to help elect America First candidates who share your love of country and a vision for a better America. Will you take the blue pill and continue living in a world where a corrupt few control everything? Or will you take the red pill and join us? Let's take our country back, one precinct at a time. Choose wisely. Your future depends on it. Sign up at precinctstrategy.com now.